Craig Wilson, editor of Stuff Magazine, and today I am coming to you from the Canon offices in Centurion. Canon, the camera manufacturers that have, of course, been the leading name in all things optical for many, many years. Uh, today I'm joined by Roger Machen. Roger, tell me about your role at Canon first so that I uh, don't get that wrong. Okay, um, hi there. Uh, I handle all of Canon's professional products from a marketing perspective. So, pro photo, everything from enthusiast all the way through to the flagship stuff, and then also pro video. Um, right. Yeah. Right, I mean, that's a pretty pretty broad range of things. But, Roger, we've crossed paths a couple of times before. Indeed. Mostly at the consumer product launches. Indeed, yeah. And now, of course, this is what I really want to talk about today because uh, the big sort of news, at least for consumers in particular, and Canon in the last sort of six to eight months has been mirrorless. Indeed, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So now we've got, a, I mean, let's just start with the basics. So, okay. you know, mirrorless cameras, for a while at least, were considered the purview of non-professional. Right, we by and large we saw mirrorless cameras being crop sensors, mirrorless sure. cameras being four third sensors. Yeah. You know, we we only really saw full frame uh, mirrorless cameras for some time from from Sony. Indeed, yeah. And now all of the big names have gotten on board, including yes. arguably the biggest name of them all, of course, uh, yeah, yourselves. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, wh- okay. you know, why do you think uh, it took so long for Canon to get on the full frame mirrorless bandwagon? Oh, okay. That's it's quite a monster question. There. I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> we, like to, we like to get straight into the tough Well, let me throw a bit of background at you for starters. Um, a, a lot of photographers have been waiting for the big paradigm shift. What's the next big thing in photography? And whether it was going to be a camera, whether it was going to be mirrorless, what, what it was exactly going to be. Um, I think there's still a million people out there still waiting for the next big paradigm shift. <laughs> and mirrorless kind of snuck up on a lot of manufacturers, most notably obviously Canon and Nikon, etc. Uh, when we first saw it, it, it looked like a flash in the pan. It looked like a, um, a desperate attempt by manufacturers that hadn't made a go of it in traditional SLR or with brand number three or brand number four sure. to try and drive a new revolution. Uh, and the likes of uh, Olympus, Fuji, Pentax, etc., etc., were never sort of brand one, two, or three, mm. but they had to keep going in the photographic uh, arena. And I don't know exactly who came up with the first mirrorless, but Olympus Pen was one of the first ones that most people saw on the market. And it was a crop sensor, and it was small, and it was tiny. Offered a hell of a lot of good photographic functionality, interchangeable lenses, but in a small package. Mm. And until it sort of really started getting hold and all the other sort of other manufacturers jumped on that bandwagon and started doing mirrorless cameras it was only then that sort of Nikon and Canon to all intents and purposes looked at this and said maybe there is something to it after all and we launched our first mirrorless in 2012 the EOS M mm. with, with a couple of little lenses and we've added to that lineup since then with a, you know, the most recent launch was the M50 I think it was tail end of uh, beginning of last year uh, with a crop sensor uh, ba- you know, base as as a mirrorless camera with a lineup of lenses but we didn't really sort of aim it at pros. All the lenses were pretty much kit lenses. There was very, there was no real sort of fast prime lenses, etc. And they were optimized for crop, right? They weren't well, exactly. sort of full frame Correct. optics. Yeah. Correct. But we had the benefit of uh, being able to label them EOS because you could get an adapter and all of the existing EOS lenses fitted and worked with mm. no restrictions whatsoever. So somebody could go and buy that little mirrorless camera and then if they already had some lenses, they could use their lenses. Granted, it kind of defeated the object of having a smaller camera. Sure. And, and then as you say, Sony started really pushing 
the full frame mirrorless mentality. And that started changing a lot of other things. And obviously, um, the big brands sort of looked at it for a while and said, what's going on? Where's it going to? And Nikon and Canon both last year came to the party with, with full frame mirrorless offerings. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is that quite a lot of people missed the point about what Canon's mentality was because Canon didn't necessarily launch a new mirrorless camera. We actually launched a new lens mount. Well, right, absolutely. And that's what I want to come yeah. to next. So, cool. you cool. know, so this is the, the new RF. Uh, Correct. The RF Correct. mount. And yeah. I mean, so in terms of physically, I think it's a, if I remember, it's a 54, 54, millimeter, 54 yeah. millimeter mount. Yeah. Are there some sort of things that this large amount enables that were, just weren't possible before? I know oh, that absolutely. there's also, of course, massive backwards compatibility sure, because sure. you couldn't exactly go and build a new mount and then yeah. render uh, many people who have, you know, enormous lens collections course, and investments in that in that glass. Yeah. You couldn't render that obsolete. So, yeah, yeah. so tell absolutely. me, let's talk about this new mount. What does it enable and, right. uh, and how is it possible that you're still able to use it with such an enormous array of existing lenses? Well, well essentially, um, Canon was looking at creating a new lens mount anyway mm-hmm. um, because we'd kind of reached a, t- a technological, um, not necessarily a milestone, not necessarily a wall, but almost like um, a point where there wasn't much more we could do with existing EF mounts. Sure. Now, that's been out for about 30, 30 years. It was launched in 87. And we've got 90-odd lenses in the, in the lineup and produced right, well over 120. 20 different lenses over the last 30 years uh, for that EF bayonet but there was a limitation to where it could go from a future perspective mm-hmm. the seven pins that we had on that bayonet connecting the camera to the lens could only transmit about 500 kilobit, kilobytes of data per second which mm. sounds like a lot in 1987 well, sure, but, but, but now it's a totally different animal it just wasn't enough I mean frankly it's remarkable that a mount could last that long you know well, indeed, yeah. if you think about it, you talk about just you know what's happened in personal computing of course and how much more data you know we're yeah. we're expecting to be able to shift well of course and, and the, the Moore's law does actually apply to camera technology as much as it does to, to PCs you know that the, the, the speed is going to increase exponentially over time right so when we first looked at this um, you know it's not the first time Canon's changed lens mounts you know we did it from a screw mount to a, a bayonet back in the 50s we did another bayonet change in, in the like, 60s 70s with, with, with gnashing of teeth oh, every yeah, yeah. time right well so, a, a, 87 was the big one that was sure. the big way Sure. wailing of, uh, of of people going oh my god what are you thinking mm. uh, when we went from manual focus to autofocus and it was huge because the two other manufacturers at the time Nikon and Pentax didn't change their lens fitting mm. when they went to automatic focus all of your lenses would fit and work sure. Minolta and Canon both took a major risk changing the lens mount none of the old lenses fit um, and you had to buy not only a new camera, but a whole bunch of new lenses simultaneously. But um, obviously, I mean, the argument is that, you know, in doing this, you know, no one, no company does this uh, flippantly. This exactly. is a knee-jerk to the decision. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously, the suggestion is we are going to make this worth your while Correct. by bringing new features to the table that are simply not possible with the existing mount. Brilliant. And exactly the same thing happened last year. And again, people missed the point. They focus so much on the camera. Oh, it doesn't have this and it has that. And why didn't they do this, etc. We're like, hang on a second. We launched a new lens mount. The RF lens mount has now got 12 pins, from 500 kilobytes of data to now five megabytes of data. And you kind of think, well, why does a lens need five megabytes of data per second to mm. talk to a camera? Well, it doesn't. It doesn't need it now, but it might need it in 27 years' time. Absolutely. So, so this is the plan of action that Canon's thinking. This isn't just the lens mount for mirrorless. This is our future lens mount. We've reached a point, as far as technology is concerned, for existing mirrored cameras, DSLRs, because the distance between the sensor and the bayonet 
is 44 millimeters. Mm. When you're looking at a lens that are a shorter focal length than 44 millimeters, mm. you have to what we have what we call retrofocal lens elements. So light comes into the bayonet and it needs to be bent outwards to get to the sensor. And you're having to put extra glass in there. And especially when it comes to brighter lenses, things mm. with a faster aperture than f2.8, for example, f2, f1.8, f1.4, those kind of things become very, 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 very difficult to get a wide angle with a very, very, very shallow depth of field. Well, because all of this becomes technically challenging. Indeed. It also becomes, if you've got to introduce extra elements, you're introducing extra weight, you're introducing extra yeah. cost. Indeed. Uh, Indeed. And just by and large complexity. Yeah, and, and as, as a double whammy, um, the optical quality of those extra pieces of glass has to be really, 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 really good as well. Sure. So it's not just about additional cost, it's an additional almost exponential cost. Mm, right. Because you can't just put a, a wide angle piece of glass in there. It's got to be a spheric. It's got to be hand, hand molded. It has to have you know chromatic aberrations fixed. It's it, there's a minefield of stuff. Well, is there, is there a quick sidebar? This is what always amuses me too. I I have to ask your stance on this yeah. uh, because it is such a uh, a divisive thing in, in okay. photography. How do you feel about low end filters slapped on the front of expensive lenses to uh, uh, protect the front element? Um, it's one of the things I hate more than anything else. <laughs> right. uh, I, I, I have to say, it's um, we've seen it a lot. We, we had a, we had a guy um, in in Natal with a problem with a lens. Sent us some sample images, and we're like, "Well, oh, we've never seen this before. Right. Please send us the lens to check." Courier it up to Joburg. We checked it, tested. Absolutely perfect. All of our sample images, fantastic. Sent it back. <laughs> sent it back to him and said, "It's great." He puts it back on the camera, takes some shots, and says, "No, it's exactly the same." What it was, he was worried we would steal his filter, so, so he took the filter, filter off, off before he sent it to us, <laughs> sure. and then put it straight back on the second he got his lens back. And we we eventually found out after sending somebody to his house in Durban and shooting with him. So, Let's take our filter off and see what we get. Ta da! Perfect. But you're yeah. right, yeah. Uh, and it was somebody with a, a thirty thousand rand lens with a seventy. I find, it, I find it bizarre. Anyway, it, it, anyway. It, if you're going to put a filter on, use it for optical purposes, an ND or a... Absolutely, or a circular uh, polarizer, polarizer or something. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I understand the need for UV and skylight filters, and I understand that people do invest them for, for protection. But then but, also you need to you need to invest, you know, you don't need to buy the 75 rand one. Yeah, if you've got a massive a piece one. of expensive glass, you need to put an expensive filter on the front. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Some lenses, it's just not viable. I, you know, sure. the, the new 2870 F2 lens, I mean, that's got a 95 millimeter what? front element. Sure. Filter, a filter for that is a stupendous amount of money. Absolutely, and sort of the size of a side plate. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um, what I would say in that, in that end, um, put a decent lens hood on. Lens hoods sure. actually provide more in terms of perfection, uh, protection, let's put it that way, um, <laughs> as, well, as well as increasing micro contrast, improving the overall flare properties of Absolutely. a lens. And, and the, the mostly the you know going to knock it on the side table when you're Indeed. being a little careless and walking by. Yeah, anyway, I, I, sorry, sorry yeah, for uh, uh, putting you on the topic. Segue back to, but, to the so we're, we're talking about yeah. we're talking about so the, the distance. You know, the problem is yes. you've got the forty plus mil uh, with bayonet mount. Yeah. I gather with mirrorless, we've gotten this down to twenty mil. We're I think down to, it is? just over twenty. Yeah. The clincher with it, with having this um, this new lens mount, we realised to get fast aperture, get to get incredible quality out of wide angles, we needed that shorter flange back distance. Right. And mirrorless full frame just happened to present the solution to it and it all sort of came up together so we've been planning the RF lens mount for quite a while mm. um, because the possibilities it offers us in terms of optical performance is beyond 
anything anybody had seen. So when we launched the new EOS R last year, we, we made a standard kit lens, the 24105. Mm-hmm. We made a standard little cheapy 35mm 1.8 as a second lens for people to go out there. And then we made two absolutely astonishing pieces of glass, the 50mm 1.2 and the 2870 f2. And what's radical about those, and it's not just from me, I mean, we, we go on various websites and we see what people see. There's a company in the States called Lens Rental. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a guy called Roger Kikala, who um, they buy lenses as they come out on the market and they rent them out on a day-to-day basis. Now they have their own service department and before they get service documents from Canon, they often get the lenses and they have to learn how to fix them before they can actually right. get taught how to fix them. Right. Uh, and they do a lens breakdown. And what I would say, if, if you get a chance, your listeners need to have a quick look at lensrental.com, look at what Roger Kikala had to say about the 50mm 1.2. Right. Because they started breaking it down. They got to the point where they said, we kind of have to stop here because there's stuff in here we haven't seen before and we don't know what it's there for. Right. Right. Then they started another end and they started from the other side and they said, okay, we're going to have to stop again. We don't know what and we don't know why, but Canon's put things in here and all the evidence suggests this isn't a lens that's just been thrown into the market. Mm-hmm. This isn't just six months of R&D into modifying an existing, the existing model lens and just updating it for the mount. This sure. has been redesigned from the ground up and the right. level of design that's inside it mm-hmm. indicates years of R&D. I have had the pleasure of at least handling one of those Fantastic. lenses, and Fantastic. it is, I mean, it is a thing of engineering beauty. Absolutely, um, absolutely. It's just this funnel of glass, you just kind of want to peer down it yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, drool and whimper softly. Yeah, uh, and, and so on, on, that, on that note, just going on to what, what Canon was thinking with regard to the EOS R and also the new RP cameras, yeah. people kind of accuse us of like, oh, you're just rehashing the old sensors, why didn't you put a new sensor in? Because mm-hmm. the EOS R had a modified version of the 5D sensor, and the RP has a modified version of the 6D2 sensor. Right. And again, Canon did it specifically so that you had a benchmark so if you've got a 5D4 sure. with a 50mm 1.2 you know how it performs you know what it delivers sure. if I give you a brand new camera with a brand new sensor and a brand new lens and a brand new processor brand new tech and sure, it, looks, and like it looks, a, like. looks amazing mm. you can't pinpoint exactly where it's from sure. so the R sure. came along with the, the sensor that looks like exactly the same as the 5D4 sensor when you put the 50mm 1.2 RF lens on that mm. ta-da you now have a benchmark to compare to the 5D4 sure. and again when people say oh you've got three pro lenses announced with the ESR. We've announced another five pro lenses to come with the ESRP. Mm-hmm. We've got two very, very amateur cameras. Well, not necessarily very amateur. I mean, the, the, the ESR is sort of mid-range type of thing. Yeah. But they wouldn't, wouldn't be considered pro. Yet we've announced eight pro lenses. What the hell is going on, Canon? Sure. And, um, well, this talks to sort of roadmaps as well. There's, there's, there's this long-term trajectory. This isn't, a, this isn't a flash-in-the-pan product. Exactly. Right? There is and, a, and again, if you look back to 1987, again, I'm throwing that back into the mix when we did the <laughs> I was uh, I was four years old then. I, I, was I wasn't old. terribly into photography yet. Yeah. I was a tad older than that, but <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Yeah. But back, back in 87, when we launched the EOS system, the EOS 650 was very much a mid-range camera. And we announced two kit lenses. And then in the next two years, we announced around about 20 lenses, of which 18 were professional. Sure. And there was the 650, the 620, the 750, the 850, all of which very, very amateur cameras. Mm. In 1989, two years after the announcement of the EF Bayonet, came the first pro camera, which is the EOS 1. And the EOS 1 was, whoa. But there was already 20 lenses ready for it, Mm. and 18 of them were pro. Sure. Now, I'm not saying anything about future developments. I'm not no, saying no. anything about future timelines. But what Canon is doing now is laying the groundwork for 
the pro cameras to come. But also, this is one of the turning points, right? This is when Canon went from being one of the major brands to the, the de facto brand for absolutely. sports photography, right? Absolutely, every yeah. like Olympics, every major sporting event thereafter, all you saw in the photography pits were just the giant white funnels absolutely, uh, with yeah. Canon branding on them. And, right? and it was brilliant for us. The, the decision to put the autofocus motor in the lens rather than in the body yeah. proved to be the best decision. Yeah. Uh, and we did it well, and we did it really well. Not to say the other manufacturers didn't do sure. it as well, but it took them a while to catch up. And, and Canon owned the kind of dominance in autofocus, especially sports, action, photojournalism, mm -hmm. throughout the whole of 90s because of the speed of that autofocus. Well, it's amazing to think that, you know, before this, the, 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 that switch to autofocus was controversial. Yeah. You know, now it's, it's just so sort of standard and assumed. And, Absolutely. You know, talking about the speed of it, in the new mirrorless, one of the advantages too is incredibly fast autofocus. Yeah, so yeah, the numbers I've seen are 0.05 seconds yeah. with the right combination of, yeah. you know, glass and, uh, and, and body. And that, that's, that's due to Canon's dual pixel autofocus system. Mm -hmm. And we launched that in the 70D around about five years ago. Sure. And um, people were like, oh my gosh, this is radical at the time. But in the intervening five years, people have realized how utterly amazing it is. Sure. And it's seen as the de facto standard for autofocus in video SLRs, mm -hmm. as, as put out. This is the benchmark. If you're as good as D D Canon's dual, autofix, dual pixel autofocus, that's a long <laughs> sentence, um, then, you're, then you're, go you're, you're good. Sure. If you're not. But again, the development of that um, dual pixel autofocus, yes, it only surfaced in a product five years ago but we started working on that well over 20 years ago sure. which gives you an idea and, and again the, the big paradigm shift which we had which is the digital shift uh, in the 90s going into the 2000s mm. the move towards digital was a massive thing for us again and specifically mm -hmm. because we stuck to everything in-house instead of buying sensors from somebody else buying process from somebody sure. else we did everything in-house and we controlled quality from one end of the scale to the other and we're doing exactly the same thing as far as mirrorless is concerned. Mm. Now, and you, I mean, if you also control all of that, you get to optimize it from things like uh, the software perspective as well, works, right? Everything. I yeah. mean, we see this with you know the Apple Windows argument, yeah. and the one massive Apple argument is everything from software to hardware. You know, they have a hand in, and yeah, yeah. you know, there seem to be obvious advantages to going this route. Uh, yeah, and there's there's another distinct thing that pro photographers are starting to cotton onto and realize that there is a clear path to profit for printing photographs, mm. and it went through a big phase of where it was amazing. And then nobody did it. And sure. then it's, now it's starting to grow again. Photo books are becoming massively popular, number one. But also framed and canvas prints and, and high-quality photo prints on walls uh, are going through a huge change. Now, we, we have a distinct advantage in the fact that we developed the raw processing software for our cameras. And it's built and engineered on the same OS or the same operating system as the camera itself. Right. So you make a change of plus one in the software. It's exactly the making the change of plus one on the camera, mm. which is brilliant. Then it links seamlessly to Canon's ProPrint software. And we've optimized the new pro printers with all these extra red, green, and blue, and chroma optimizer ink tanks. What I know about that's kind of dangerous. But, <laughs> but what you basically do is you bring in a 14-bit RAW file from the camera. You work in it in a 16-bit environment on the computer in Canon software. Right. Transfer it directly to that, to the print software. And the print software goes, oh, I know this music. Right. And it prints, optimi optimizes the print out there. I'm not saying that you can't get the same sort of decent quality out of a Nikon camera with Adobe software and Epson printer. Mm. 
But there is a seamless link there between Canon Camera, Canon RAW, Canon Print, uh, and Canon Printers that sure. uh, nobody else can compete with. Mm-hmm. And it's a subtle thing, and as I say, pro photographers are starting to learn about that. But it's all the subtleties that, that the pros really care about. Of but course, yeah. To, to move away from the pros for a moment and yeah, to talk yeah. about, you know, Canon is also the camera that you see most often mm-hmm. sold with a kit lens. Indeed. You know, as the step up for people who are looking to make a move up from mobile photography. Of course, yeah. Um, firstly, have you guys seen that, you know, mobile photography has actually been... Has has it actually been good for camera sales? Well, yes and no. When, you know, when I say a lot of photographers are still waiting for the next big paradigm shift in, mm. in photography, it's happened. And it, and it happened with the first phone that came came with its, its own built-in camera. Sure. And once bandwidth started getting to the point where you could not only get a decent quality picture on your phone, you could share it. And you could share it quickly and easily rather than just trying to send an MMS, which was, oh my God, it's 250 <laughs> kilobytes MMS. <laughs> what is this going to cost me? Um, yeah, exactly. Sure. Those, those years are gone. I mean, now we don't even think about you pick, pulling out the phone to take photographs. Mm. Um, well, this also seems as a result, though, that now the phone has become the connection between yeah. the mirrorless or the DSLR and well, the platforms that we actually want to push these pictures to. You know, a printed picture is wonderful, but exactly. the vast majority of pictures never see the light of printed day. Exactly. Like, I never see anything other than a hard drive or a Facebook or so, an Insta for that matter. But I, and on that note, it's it's made photographers out of everybody. Mm. You know, we, we, we used to sell thousands, literally thousands of the sub thousand rand little compact cameras for people to take to parties, to functions, to sure. kids' birthdays, etc. And mums would have a little 599 Ixus or PowerShot or Cybershot or Coolpix, whatever it was in their handbags, yeah. and they would take it everywhere they went. And the phone was for making calls and the camera was for taking photographs. And when the cameras started getting Wi-Fi, when the phones started getting better cameras, mm. those cameras died. We went from selling literally in the 50 to 60 odd thousand a year to less than like you know two three thousand a month country it's way 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 lower and that that everyday photography of that little camera you put in your bag that's gone some kids still pick that up and still go that route yeah but the phone is your camera of choice and you record absolutely everything Mm. and this is the point we we're turning everyday people well not we <laughs> the people who made the phones um, turned absolutely everybody into um, photographers and what actually happened was that when they do get a decent picture you know not the ones where they zoom in 25 times at the kids school concert and their sure. kids which one of your which of those yellow blobs is your son you know, <laughs> we see that but um, the, the photographs they take of landscapes of food of restaurants or wherever they're driving whatever it is mm-hmm. the ones that get lots and lots of likes they kind of realise oh hang on I've got ooh, 500 people like this image maybe I've got a skill <laughs> love it love it love it I'm not going to knock it in any sure, sort of way sure. or form because it's generated the next generation mm. and Instagram is amazing and Facebook is amazing for sharing images and the next generation is going to be sharing video obviously but mm. um, it's made photographers out of people who where we thought, oh my God, what's the next big thing in photography that's coming? It's happened, it's camera phones, full stop. And that's your everyday photography. But it leads people into believing they can do better. It's and the, it's realize, the, gate, the phones are the gateway drugs. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it, you, you couldn't have put it in a, bit, yeah. in a better uh, analogy other than that. It is the gateway drug. It's the, yeah. oh, I'm now addicted to getting good pictures and getting lots and lots of likes. I need to do something better. The lens on the phone isn't good enough. It's not brilliant under low light conditions. It's not, I can't zoom in. Kruger Park, the elephants are speck in the distance. And when I do zoom in on the phone, it's a like, Sure, the software shallow depth of field sort of trickery isn't yeah. great around my wife's hair. Yeah. Uh, you know. 
know, I want to, I want a fast prime. I just want to, to lift my game just a little. Yeah. Well, the, the brilliance of it is that so much of the faults and the flaws within the camera or the sensor on the camera itself mm. were fixed by software. And this is the genius of, of Apple, Android, all of those folks, um, whoever it is who came up with the software, that they can actually take a sensor that is tiny as the size of a pinhead to all intents and purposes yeah. and a lens that's you know really minute and actually get decent results out of it. Majority of it is actually software. Um, but as, I, as you say, it's the gateway drug. It's what's led people into thinking they can do decent photography and they will then buy. Mm. And whether it's a, a bridge camera, as in like a power shot with a 20, 30, 40 times zoom, those are huge in this country. And we still do lots and lots of those because game reserves, kids' school sports days, wildlife is the kind and of thing And the convenience of an all-in-one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Plus the quality is amazing. Plus you've got big zooms. Plus you've got Wi-Fi. So you can shoot and straight to the phone, look at this amazing picture. Sure, send well, it off to the aunties and uncles. Yeah, know, absolutely. Before the curtains even fall. Yeah. yeah, but it's still not the camera you're going to take day in, day out to a restaurant to, you know, when you go and have a decent cup of coffee. Sure. But you want to take a picture of that lovely flower pattern that the barista's made for your coffee. <laughs> so there's uh, so blazing millennial dig there. Over yeah. here. <laughs> not, not saying it, but, you know, it does happen. The face in your ever toast, you know? Oh, gosh, yes, that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly along. But um, the great thing is then that bridge camera, when they start getting good with that, the next step is where do we go to from here? Either an entry-level DSLR, and we're one of the last manufacturers still standing that's making a full range of DSLRs mm, mm. and we just announced a brand new on the the 250D last mm. week I saw that, uh, yeah. another augmentation to the crop sensor um, or, uh, traditional DSLR cameras we still got you know all those lenses out there we still got people mm. who are going to mm. use them and buy them we still got the first time buyers who want that camera so we're still making them well there's also this reminder that it doesn't have to be either or you know Correct. there's a lot of room for both and yeah. and that you know to have these product ranges they address Absolutely. different market needs yeah. and different and, people's and, desires and right now we're the only brand that's still standing in a crop sensor DSLR full-frame DSLR, crop sensor mirrorless, and full-frame mirrorless. Mm. We have the entire lineup in all four categories with existing lineups designed for each one. So sure. EFS mount for crop sensor DSLR, EF mount for all of them, EF, uh, EFM mount for the mirrorless with a small sensor, and the new RF mount for the full-frame. Well, and it's this overlapping that's great too because, you know, it allows people to use, say, the more esoteric lenses Absolutely. Uh, on thoroughly contemporary bodies, you yeah. know, yeah. Uh, and to make sure that those investments remain, um, you know, valuable to them and, and useful. Yeah. But and, and sorry, to taking a leaf from the yeah. mobile phone to sort of idea, the new R and RP cameras have got additional software built, built into them. This program called Digital Lens Optimizer. Now we've always had that as a software on mm, the computer. Right. It's now built into the cameras. What that essentially means, it identifies all the RF lenses as such and understands what the flaws are in them and fixes them in software as yeah. the image saves. But you can also upload all of your existing EF lenses. So any of those 70 lenses you have, right. upload the digital lens optimizer file to your camera and it sees that lens immediately and it applies all the corrections that are required. Sure. So we, we know that when you make a 24mm lens at f1.4 in order to keep it that size, that weight, that price mm. you have to make a sacrifice somewhere. Certainly. And so whether you're going to have distortion, distortion or distortion, chromatic aberration edge, edge or something. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Having software in the new R mounts means that not only the new RF lenses look astonishing but all of your existing lenses look better as well. Mm. And this is the power of taking a leaf from the mobile phones where using software and using the camera's processor can actually augment what you're getting out of your existing camera, existing so, yeah. and, and that things can, yeah, things can improve over time. I mean, Absolutely, it's the same yeah. even with raw processing. Yeah. You know, I know people hang on to their raw files because the way we process them has changed so much that, yeah. you know, the way you edited a photo 10 years ago, shot in raw, can be totally different to the way you can do it now and yeah. what's possible uh, with it changes. So so and that brings me perfectly, I think, to, to the last topic I cool. want to talk about, right, uh, which is, you know, this one's putting you on the spot just <laughs> a little. 
what's next? Where to from here? Yeah. yeah. Where do I mean? Where do we go in yeah. broad brushstrokes terms? Obviously, I'm yeah. not asking you to peer into a crystal ball. I, yeah, I see you didn't you didn't bring one today. So, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, but you know, general in broad strokes, you are far more plugged into the scene than, than we are. Yeah. Uh, where does this go? Um, I don't know if there's going to be a huge paradigm shift again. There's, there's no radical changes unless smartphones can come along with a 400 millimeter lens um, and built into the camera. Sure. It, it's not going to happen, and it's going to take a, a long time before smartphones get to the point where zooming in is, is of in, in the same quality as an SLR. But mirrorless is most certainly the future. The, the cameras are smaller, they're lighter. The options as far as the lens technology is concerned is quite radical. We've never delivered a roadmap of what our plans are for existing lenses or SLRs before mm. up until February this year. And in February this year, we launched the new EOS RP. We said, these are the next six lenses coming this year. And every single one of those six lenses is designed for the RF bayonet. Right. Um, you can read into that what you like. And five of those six lenses are pro lenses. Three of the existing four are pro lenses. Mm. You can go into 1987 to 1989, see what we did then. <laughs> go back to the F1 in the 1970s, see what we did then, changing from the FL to the FD mount. We've done this before. You can read what we've done in the past. Yes, there is pro stuff coming. Everybody knows there's pro stuff coming, whether it's mirrorless, whether it's DSLR, whether it's crop sensor, etc. That information I can't divulge. Sure. What I will say to you is we're invested in all four of those systems and we're not going to be shelving any of them in favor of any of the others. Right. I, I, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't say this, unlike what some of our competitors have, have had to do. Yeah. Um, Canon's one of the brands that's fortunate enough that photo photographic is less than 40% of our total business. Print and office machinery is more than 60% of what we do. So there's a lot of money financial stability in that side of the operation, which funds a lot of R&D for photo, mm-hmm. uh, which means we're not not desperately reliant on having number one market share or brilliant millions selling sales etc etc to keep going and you don't have to be as reactive you can you know stick to your guns take your your time absolutely yeah and that's one of the things that Canon's often accused of being a little bit slow and a little bit behind the times when it comes to the next big technology we often wait to see exactly what's happening uh, People say see, the same things about Apple, though. But, it, but again, uh, if, if everybody's like, oh, you know, Sony launched full-frame mirrorless five years ago. Why did it take Canon all the way, all the way to 2018 to do this? So hang on, we're, we're just, we've, we've been working on that lens mount for a while. Sure. We knew it was coming. We're already going there. Uh, okay, we're, we're a few years late, but have a look, see what we've done. Just mm. look mm. into it a little bit deeper. And do you imagine that... The uh, best is yet to come, that's what I'm going to say. Fantastic. (laughs) Roger, thank you so much for chatting to us today. We really appreciate it. Craig, a pleasure. Thank you. And we can't wait to see what comes next. Yes, exciting times indeed. 